What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects, episode 105 with my good friend, Travis Nelson. Travis works for Herbalife. He's an individual that has really changed his life through working in the Herbalife steps. He is somebody who is an ultra marathoner. He is just somebody who of late I've really has really caught my attention on Facebook because he has taken responsibility for his life himself and he's just turned everything around going from uh, drug, drug and alcohol abuse to now sober and you know making very good money with a product that he believes in and doing some really cool things within his own personal life like running ultra marathons and just helping a lot of people along the way. So I thought I'd bring him on just to kind of share his story. And I really encourage you to stick through the whole episode. It's not the best connection. I'm in Thailand, as many of you know. He's in America. The connection wasn't perfect, but you can definitely hear his whole story. And there's a lot of beautiful things said throughout the whole episode, around 45 minutes. I mean, man, it just, for me, it was just so profound, mind blowing that the stuff that he starts talking about, you know, around minute 45, which is, you can always do more. He just kept saying that you can always do more. You can push yourself and always do more for yourself, for your family. Just take responsibility for yourself because you can always do more to change your life. And it really rang true for me, you know, just really putting your head down, persevering, trying to break through those barriers that are holding you back, doing what it takes, not giving up. This episode is full of all of that. And I really encourage you to stick around and listen to the whole thing because he's got a really cool story. If you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone and hit subscribe. You can leave a comment after if you like what you heard on iTunes or whatever podcast player you're listening to. That really helps me out. If you're a returning guest and you really like Misfits and Rejects and the message that I'm sending, you know, feel free to donate on Patreon at Misfits and Rejects. Um, you can leave a monthly donation, whatever it may be, $1, $5, $10. It all helps. It's not expected, though. I love doing this for you all. All these people really inspire me just to keep motivated, keep pushing, keep striving for the des- to design the life in the way that I want. I encourage you to follow Misfits and Rejects on Instagram. I'm posting a lot about my own lifestyle design, my travels through Asia right now, what I'm striving to accomplish, and I'm really just trying to be that person who's doing by by leading, you know, showing that, you know, I have goals and I'm not just trying to preach one thing and do another that I genuinely believe that if you want to design your life in the way you want, there is a way to do it. And I'm trying to be that person for you as well. So please follow me on Instagram as well. You can get a visual on what's going on in my life and the ups and downs of what's what what it's like, you know, as a online entrepreneur trying to do the things that I want. So with that said, please sit back and relax and enjoy this episode with Travis Nelson. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Travis Nelson, a blast from the past, somebody that I went to high school with, um, haven't been in huge touch with, but thanks to Facebook, been really getting a lot of inspiration from his Facebook posts of late. And I thought I'd bring him on the show so he could share his story because I know he's had a lot of ups and downs in life and he's on a tremendously direct projectile up right now. <laughs> and I really wanted to bring him on to share his story because he's an Herbalife distributor. He's on the millionaire team and he's also a gnarly, gnarly ultra marathon runner. So with that said, Travis, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, we're, we're blessed to have you, dude. Thank you. And, um, you know, life's, life's good for you right now, dude. I know at one point it was, it was in a different direction, but you totally changed your life. You took responsibility for it, and you are on an incredibly new path. That's amazing. Maybe you can take our audience into a little bit about your upbringing. You know, we're both from Newport Beach, Orange County area, and maybe just you know, kind of give us an idea of, of what life was like for you growing up and, and where you found yourself at you know, certain points throughout it. Right. Uh, so growing up, uh, we were very fortunate. You know, growing up in Newport Beach and Orange County, uh, you know, the, the, the world is sort of my oyster. Um, and, but the one thing that I, I really lacked in my, my life was this, this sense of family. I think that was my, my biggest issue. Uh, you know, my father's never been around, and I, and I know I'm not the, the only story. Uh, uh, and, you know, when the man who, the man who raised me and my, my mom – uh, got separated, you know, I was kind of in limbo. I mean, I was literally li- living with my ex-stepfather while I was going to college until I eventually moved out, you know, after my first semester in college. And, uh, you know, so I think my whole life I was I was seeking family, in uh, which really, you know, growing up, actually my middle name is Jeffrey, and I was named after a guy by the name of Jeff Goldsby, who was uh, Bobby Weir's guitar tech. So, uh, I, I was turned on to the Grateful Dead and this whole music scene really early. And, uh, and it was really interesting because you go to these concerts and people would, would call themselves family. And, uh, and so really what happened was once I was in college, you know, I, I started hanging out with some people that, you know, were, were partying pretty hard. And, uh, and I'm not going to go too into that. You know, long story short, I ended up addicted to drugs. I ended up addicted to alcohol. Um, you know, and really went on a, a 16 year run of you name it. I used it. I mean, I, I don't need to get too into that. You, you, we all know kind of what's going on with the, the pharmaceutical you know industry these days and stuff like that. But all that caught up to me, and uh, it really culminated into me, you know, in a position where my family didn't want anything to do with me. I remember there was a time where um, I, I had called my mom and said, you know, what are we doing for? Christmas and she said well we're going to Mexico and you're not invited and come to find out my sisters didn't even go to Mexico either and my parents just went to Mexico so they didn't have to see me so I didn't have any place to go and I remember that one Christmas there was just there was nowhere for me to go you know so I ended up drinking in Newport you know by myself doing that whole uh, deal and still even that wasn't enough it wasn't really until about Oh, um, I don't know, a year later when I, uh, you know, when I really realized that I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, that I was dependent on drugs and alcohol just to feel normal, just to, just to function, just to get out of bed and, um, ended up checking myself in rehab. You know, that's ultimately what, what had happened. And one of the most humbling experiences of my life and one of the best experiences of my life, you know, looking back on it now, it's easy to say, uh, but uh, when you're 31 years old and you're checking yourself into rehab, it's kind of embarrassing. And uh, so I ended up doing 60 days uh, in-house rehab. I did another 30 days intensive outpatient, did another 90 days of sober living. And actually, when I was in that sober living, I was required to, to be looking for a job and actually to get a job. And I actually actually got a job. And I had some time of sobriety. I had worked all the 12 steps. I was sponsoring. Shoot, I was probably sponsoring. I don't know, like 12 guys, 10 guys at that time. 
So I knew the feeling that I was getting from helping another human being. And this, I think, is really where things started to change for me because I felt so good being selfless. And that, that was, you know, and, and I still, I still um, instill that daily today is, is going out and helping another individual. Um, but what happened was actually I got a job and I didn't tell him that I had a DUI on my record and I ended up getting fired a week later for that DUI. And, uh, and times were like a little tough for me right there because I had this, I had this sobriety and I felt like I was doing things right, but I still just couldn't catch a break. And uh, I really, truly believe that God in, uh, intervened in that whole situation because what had happened was I ended up answering an ad that said, get paid to help others. And I went into this nutrition club. It was an Herbalife nutrition club. And, uh, and I talked to this gal. Her name's Camilla Stark. And I, I literally told her my story because I didn't want to get hired and fired again. Was, and honestly, it was probably the worst job interview ever. I was like, well, I just got fired. I just got out of rehab. I got to go to my meetings. I can't go to trainings. I'm what a catch, right? And um, she looked at me and she goes, you don't have to live like that anymore. And I said, well, how? And she said, start drinking these shakes. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, I was there for a job interview and the girl wanted me to drink milkshakes. And, uh, and, but here's the thing. She would not stop smiling. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I'm going to make any money at this, but if I could just be half as happy as this lady, you know, I, I'm in. And, uh, and then what had happened was like, okay, you got to, you have to pay to get registered. So I wanted to get, I, w- I wanted to get registered. And when I swiped the card, my card declined. So of course I called mom, asked to borrow the money. And she says, well, I'll, okay, fine, whatever, get to work. I'll put the money in your account. And I said, well, you, you can't do that because my account was so far overdrawn that even if she had put money in it, it would still be overdrawn. And, uh, and she said, so you're 31 years old and you want my, you want my credit card. And, I mean, I tell you, I was, my, my heart just sunk, you know. And she said, whatever, get to work. She gave me a chance. Ended up getting registered, um, and uh, which uh, that, you know, for me was extremely humbling as well. I mean, talk about a whole year of just humbling event after humbling event. And uh, what had happened was I ended up getting these products, and I lost 16 pounds over Christmas. I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing anything along those lines. I was just drinking some shakes, taking some vitamins, really wasn't making any money. And this is still going to be the thing that I, I was going to do until I found something else. And uh, I went down and I saw my mom for Christmas that, that next year. And uh, she said, uh, you look great. What are you doing? I said, and that's, this is my big pitch. I don't know. I'm just drinking some shakes, taking some vitamins. And she said, get me some. And uh, the, the following week, the week after Christmas, which we all know, you know, after Christmas, sometimes money's a little tight for certain people, and I was one of them. And uh, I made $881 the week after Christmas. And looking back on it, we've, we've earned hundreds of thousands of dollars now, but uh, that $881 is probably the most important money that I ever earned in this business because there was validity in what I was doing. And the fact that I was helping other people get healthy just changed everything for me. But even still then, like even still then, I still wasn't a hundred percent. Like I believed in the products. I believed in the plan, you know, but I knew that there was a lot of hard work that needed to go into it. And I don't, I don't think I was in the mindset or the mind frame of, um, of being able to like truly accomplish being able to be that top 1% in the company. And what had happened was my mom had issues with her bone density. 
uh, and her immune system from chemotherapy. So she's she's fine now. Um, and she had breast cancer, went through the whole deal. She's actually now gone on to be uh, Southern California Woman of the Year by the American Cancer Society. She's raised um, over $7 million just for breast cancer research. We're actually in the middle of a fundraiser right now uh, with it being October and all. And um, um, she and I said, Mom, just try these products, you know, see if they help. What is it, what, what's it going to hurt at this point? You know, really take this thing seriously. And she used the products for 90 days. And she went back to her doctor, and her doctor literally called her boring because she was so healthy. Uh, they asked her what she was doing. She said the only thing that she had added was this, this Herbalife Nutrition. They said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And she called me. After that doctor's appointment, she called me crying. And, uh, you know, I said, well, what's up? She said, and she told me about the doctor visit and how great it was. And she thanked me for taking a chance on this multi-level marketing company that everybody told me not to do. Everybody. Like, everyone told me those things don't work. You're not going to last a year. I mean, I heard every single negative hater disapproval thing that you could possibly possibly hear, you know, I mean, consider this I'm, I'm living in sober living doing multi-level marketing it's not the easiest sell uh but uh you know when that happened and she called me crying out of joy um and she told me to go for it so i don't know what you got here but you've got something special go for it and dig in and see and see what we can uh, what we can create and uh and so i went for it you know and it didn't matter what anybody else said it didn't matter if there was any kind of negativity um, I had gotten results. I had lost the 16 pounds without working out. My, my mom had gotten results, and I had made a little bit of money. And so no matter what anybody said, I always responded with, you know what, I, I don't know about that. All I know is I lost, my, I lost some weight. My mom got healthy, and I earned some income. If you want to try it, let me know. And, and, that's, and when that happened, too, I realized that this wasn't sales anymore. Like, it wasn't a sales gig. It was literally a, a reason or a point to help other individuals. And the more people I help, the more income we earn. And, you know, as a result, now we're coming up on seven years. December 9th will be uh, seven years. Um, we have over 450 distributors in 14 countries around the world. You know, and I didn't, I didn't sign up all the distributors. Um, but, and I will say this, I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes you know, in my business, as most people do within their business. Uh, but the one thing that I did do right is I never quit. And, and no matter – one thing – and other things that I have learned in, in Herbalife is some of the principles of success. And I, I wanted this thing to really work. And so I just started applying certain successful principles that people were using in other industries and realized that they were all universal and that this was the industry that I chose. And I loved it. And I got to help other people. And shoot, we've helped over 10,000 people now either lose weight or get healthy indirectly and directly. Um, across 14 countries. So, yeah, and, and that's really where we are in the business. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm extremely grateful for uh, who I've become in the process. Uh, I, I, I remember when I, uh, when I first started, um, I, and I was very fortunate to have this great mentor. His name is Dennis Dowdell, and you can YouTube him. Dennis Dowdell is his name. And here's some of his work. First time I met the guy, he asked me a very profound question. He said, why are you looking to make a change in your life? And I still ask everybody this these days, especially when I'm first meeting people. You know, why are you looking to make a change? And the extent of my personal development at the time was like money was going to be my way out. 
And I think that's where a lot of people are today, you know, that maybe don't have faith or, or don't work on themselves. And he looked at me. And so um, I said, I wanted to be rich. That was my response to him. And he looked at me and he said, fine, I'll groom you into becoming a millionaire before you make your first million. That way, when you get your money, you know how to keep it. And that was the first realization that I had to become someone different, that I had to change who I was, that who I was wasn't going to be who, you know, or who I am wasn't going to be who I was five years from now. Now we're seven years in with a whole different mindset, a whole different way of looking at, at life. And sometimes that's confusing for people, you know, because they, you know, a lot, most people aren't waking up in the morning and reading books and listening to personal development and, and really working on, on, on their own character. Um, and one of the things he also taught me is that, you know, in order for things to change, that I had to change. And in order for things to get better, that I had to get better. Very simple, you know, but very profound, too. And that I had to work harder on myself than my business, than my marriage, um, than anything. And if I worked harder on myself, that I could apply it to society. You know, I, I could inspire people to get healthy. Uh, I could even, I'm a Christian myself. I could even inspire people to, to come to God. And that's really what's happened. Um, and then moving forward from there, he, he, kept, he kept, you know, mentoring me. And it, you know, if anybody's listening to this and, and uh, um, you know, I can give you a couple of suggestions. One is find a mentor who has what you want, someone that you would trade places with, um, you know, whether it be financially or physically, socially, spiritually, uh, whatever it is. Uh, find a mentor that you'd really like to trade places with. And if you do what they do, you'll get what they have. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of how this whole situation has, has panned out. And then he taught me, hey, you know what? You got to put God first. You got to have faith. All right? And then you do, and then you put your family second. And if you learn the principles of this crazy thing called Herbalife, you're going to live, live an amazing life. And he hasn't lied to it. And, uh, and so now here we are, you know, seven years later. Uh, I've been able to get, you know, I've married. Have a have a five year old little girl that you know, just started kindergarten. Um, we have an international business, and daily I get to help people. Um, I personally, there's there's three things and I teach my guys this too. You know, find that thing in Herbalife that'll keep you coming back, whether you get paid or not. You do that, and the money will start hunting you down. And for me, um, obviously, it's helping a woman lose weight and watching the light bulb go on for her, watching the confidence. We see girls come in and you know, jeans and a hoodie. And within 90 days, they've got the, you know, the, the dress or the skirt on and their shoulders are back and they're confident and they're inspiring other women or other moms. Um, so obviously helping a woman lose weight is, is very emotional. Uh, it's an amazing process. Uh, one of the other ones, you know, as a father too, is helping fathers or grandfathers with blood pressure, heart health, cholesterol, and getting responses back, not just from them, but from the wives and the children's and the gratitude, whether it's a text message or sometimes a handwritten note, <clears throat> um, sometimes a phone call. And, and I thrive on that. And I, and I, and I almost seek that, like, you know, seek the gratitude in other individuals work so hard that everybody notices. Um, and, uh, and then the third one too, this is one of my favorites actually is helping teenagers clear up acne. I know it sounds, you know, sounds a little goofy, but uh, we had one client, who uh, uh, she was, she didn't get asked to her junior junior senior prom, 
And uh, we helped her, you know, lose a little bit of weight. She cleared up some acne. She got uh, asked her senior year, and she actually sent me photos uh, from from her prom. And uh, you know, and and those are some of the things that you know keep us coming back, whether we get paid or not. And I just love it. I can't get enough of it. And so every morning I wake up, there's like this drive to make a difference in the world for other individuals. I don't seek the money. The money's a byproduct of our work. And uh, you know, as a result, we've been able to sustain a, uh, a you know a business that does well over a million dollars a year in business. Uh, and and uh, and I think it's because of those principles uh, of not seeking the money, but you know, seeking who we're going to become in the process of becoming a millionaire. You know, I, you don't need to become a millionaire for the money. Become a millionaire for the for who you become in that process. You know, do that. It, it's it's fun. It's exciting. So, Man, that's a really we could even end the show right there, dude. Like that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but I do have a lot of questions I want to go back and circle through because you said okay. a lot of stuff I'd like the audience to kind of get a better understanding about, especially herbal life. Let's maybe start there because you know, I think there's probably audience members who don't know herbal life or have heard of life and I herbal life, sorry, and I think there's, you know, a stigma behind it. Can you take us through like what herbal life actually is, you know, as a as a company and and you said you went on a job interview thinking that, you know, you're going to help people. And next thing you know, it was done in a nice way, but they're like, in order for you to work for us, you have to pay us first. So can you talk about Herbalife and, and what Herbalife is and the structure in which you work within? I would love to. So to understand Herbalife, so Mark Hughes was the founder of Herbalife. And Mark started this company because his mom actually overdosed, trying to lose weight on prescription pills, uh, trying to get a role in Hollywood. And uh, he, he believed that there had to have been a better way. And he had got a hold of some Eastern medicine, herbs, you know, minerals, that kind of stuff. And he actually took a trip up to San Francisco, uh, went through the, I believe it was the Chinese market there, and had compiled um, a, uh, a formula of herbs and botanicals, that kind of deal, and, uh, and created this formula to become healthy. I think the, the misconception of Herbalife is that we're a weight loss company. We're not a weight loss company. We're a nutrition company. Weight loss is a byproduct of putting the proper nutrition in your body. Most people need to lose weight. Some people need to gain weight. But actually, if you look at, you know, if you look at any of the marketing that Herbalife does, it doesn't say weight loss. It says weight management uh, because we're a nutrition company. But we also target um, digestive, heart health, healthy aging, men's, women's, children's health, energy and fitness, skin care, stress, um, um, I'm probably missing a couple. Uh, but shoot, there's over there's over 250 products in 94 countries around the world. Now, here was my thinking when I first got registered. Um, I had heard about multi-level marketing, and I think the stigma with multi-level marketing is you got to get in early, right? I'm sure most most people have heard that. Well, when I had started with Herbalife, they were in business for 31 years. Now, now 38 years. So I remember thinking to myself, well, you can fool the people for some time, but I don't think you can fool them for 31 years. <laughs> and then come to find out that they were traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And I was like, well, you kind of have to go through a background check in order to get traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And I think at the time uh, we were in like 70 countries, which they explained to me that that was 70 different health organizations. Now it's 94 countries, uh, 70 different health organizations. Uh, for the nutritional product, like if you're trying to ship a, a pen, 
to another country, it's not a big deal. But if you're shipping a product that uh, that um, citizens are consuming for their health, you have to go through that rigorous background. There are versions of the FDA, so to speak. And, uh, and then not only that, that the business model comes with it. So now you're dealing with economics. So each country had to be approved not only by the FDA, but also by the government in order to run the business and use the products. So when I heard 71 countries, I think it was, when I started, it was 71 FDA, 71 governments, traded on the New York Stock Exchange, 31 years in business. And, and I remember talking to Dennis, my mentor, and I even said, uh, you know, gosh, I wish I would have gotten in in 1980. He said, no, you don't, man. <laughs> he said, it was awful. He said, there's only seven of us left to put it into perspective. And all of Herbalife is built on pretty much seven people. Now, that being said, think about the, uh, uh, the leadership that comes from those seven people. Think about the ups and downs and everything that they've had to go through. In 1984, Herbalife was attacked by the pharmaceutical companies because they were taking, and we still do today, take billions of dollars out of their pocket because we're preventative. And not, that, went, that went to, um, I believe it went to the Senate, or uh, it was full of congressional hearings, something along those lines. And there was a full march on Washington. So coming out of that in 1984, between 1984 and 1992, there was a big lull in Herbalife about what was going to happen, was it going to make it? And then in 1992, it really picked back up again and, uh, and, and really started becoming the company that it is today. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the star of the show, and that's the products. I mean, the products, the products help people get healthy. Uh, the products are created by... Uh, professors at UCLA Medical Center. We actually have uh, the Mark Hughes School for Cellular Nutrition at UCLA Medical Center. Um, so a lot of our doctors are working there. There's over 250 doctors and scientists around the world that are formulating these products. And we're the only company in the world that has a seed-to-feed initiative. So we have control of the seed that goes into the soil, the water that goes onto it, all the way to manufacturing. And so what we've done is when we, uh, when we grow our tea, like where would the best tea be grown? China. So we grow it in China. Uh, our uh, aloe, for example, where's the best aloe grown? Mexico. So we grow it in Mexico. Um, some of our soy products, the Midwest. Um, and so wherever a product is grown the best, that's, that's where we grow it, yeah, which is extremely powerful. Most multi-level marketing companies require you to have this like minimum, like you have to have a monthly minimum. You're required to pay, you know, whatever, $500 a month or $500 worth of products every month. And then you have to like go sell it or ship it out via FedEx or whatever it is. What Herbalife did instead of doing that is they built distribution centers around the world. So if I have a client in um, the UK, I can literally go online and then our distribution center in London ships them the products to the doorstep. So I, I'm not required to hold in any inventory. I'm not required, you know, to go to FedEx and ship it out myself. I don't have to do any of that. Uh, regarding the individual investment, uh, when you first get started, the reason why there's an investment is because you receive products. Uh, when you talk to Herbalife International or Corporate Herbalife, they'll tell you, we don't want people just selling products. I mean, we can go get an office space and get a sales team and just sell it. We could, we could go do a traditional business that way, but that's not what Mark wanted. Mark wanted to create leadership. 
And so what he did was he he created, he basically took multiple different like points of other multi-level marketing companies, took the best of all of it and, and, and put it into the distribu- uh, distributor's hands. Um, kind of lost my train of thought there. No, it's all good, dude. Um, can you explain just so like, cause we do have, you know, high school kids listening to this show, like okay. what, what multi-level marketing means? Like how does the structure work? Like you bring on somebody to help sell Herbalife and then you get paid off of what they sell as well. I mean, I'm I'm not even really clear. Maybe yeah. you could just clear that up for everybody. Right. So there's there's we, I really only do two things from a business standpoint. I help people get results on the products, and I teach people how to help people get results on the products. Um, I learned really early that you can make thousands of dollars retailing these products, but you can make millions teaching others to do it. Um, mm. Just because, for example, if if I go out. And I get, say, 40, 40 clients. That's amazing, right? But what if I go out and I get 20 clients and then I teach five people to get 20 clients? Well, now we're making a difference for 120 people rather than just the 20. Or, or I mean, I could go get 120 clients myself, but that's a lot of work. And, and not, that, not that I'm against hard work. It's just I can't give each individual client the, the time necessary in order for them to really achieve their goals. But what I can do is I can teach other, I can teach say five people how to do what I do. Right. And the cool thing about, you know, multi-level marketing or herbal life in general is that I'm only as successful as the people I teach. So I'm going to teach my distributors everything that I know, like everything where most companies, you know, which are truly the real pyramid schemes. When you have a, Let's say you have a, um, a, an owner or a president, a CEO, and then you have the board, right? And then you have managers, and then you have supervisors, and then you have employees. How is that not a pyramid? <laughs> so that being said, is there a good chance that the employees are ever going to become a CEO? With Herbalife, you become a CEO immediately. Now, there's, there's good news and bad news about that. The good news is that you, you own your own business, the bad news is you own your own business, all right? So you have to literally learn it yourself. And so it takes a little time. It takes time to develop those particular skills and, uh, and the ability to be able to teach. So one thing I've – and this is across the board too. One thing that I've learned is that you haven't mastered anything until you're able to teach it. Once you can teach it, you've mastered it. You may be able to do it. You may be able to do a few things, but if you're unable to teach certain uh, skills, you really haven't mastered it yet. And from you know, from a financial situation, you know, Herbalife pays out actually fifty cents on every dollar. So, say I earn, uh, uh, or say you you're a supervisor, you earn a fifty percent discount. You come in, I get registered. Well, I start off at a twenty five percent discount. All right. Well, if Herbalife's paying fifty cents on the dollar, and I'm purchasing it at twenty five cents on the dollar. Well, that other 25 cents has to stay in the distributor's hand somewhere, somehow. And so what that does is that money actually comes to, uh, to you in a check on the 15th of every month. That's how the business works. Uh, once I achieve that 50% and you're at 50%, uh, you now earn royalties on me for the rest of your life. And, and that's how you can really create residual income. Um, the uh, life's also um, a willable asset. So if I were to die today, my wife would earn about $7,500 a month for the rest of her life. So I can, I can will her my distributorship. 
up. So I, I basically used Herbalife as an insurance policy, and, and many people do it this way. Um, a lot of times people will either even retire from Herbalife and give it to their kids um, and let them continue building that business. So there, there's little perks like that that are amazing. We actually just did, speaking of amazing perks, we actually just did our taxes, and we did very well last year, and we got money back, and um, so that, which is always exciting. You know, when you're building a business from home, when you're using your own vehicle and you're spending your own gas, stuff like along those lines, you can actually live a really good life if you're willing to do a little bit of work with a company like Herbalife. So is your wife also working with you at Herbalife? Not full-time. Uh, she's actually a hairstylist. She's been doing that for 16 years. So she's 1099 as well, and she owns her own business. And uh, if anybody asks regarding, you know, uh, about getting healthy, she just sends them my way, and I, I generally take care of them. Sometimes there's cases where women want to work with women, which is totally understandable, and uh, she'll step in and, and take care of them. Wow. I mean, we, yeah, that's beautiful, man. Congratulations, too, on you know, your sobriety and, and getting to where you're at within the, the herbal life structure. That's you know, a huge accomplishment, it sounds like. I appreciate that. Well, and, all, and all of that stuff, you, know, you, you mentioned <laughs> early on, you know, the ultra running, you know, the, the mindset of, of that rolled right into, into ultra running. And uh, and what we're able to accomplish there. It's, it's, Let's talk about that because I'm. That was my next segue. Was like, you know, when did you find running to be such a passion of yours, and and why the ultra? Like, what do you get from running? Because I know you just finished your first 100 mile run recently, um, which is inc- an incredible accomplishment. Congratulations! Like, let's talk about when you found running, what you like about it, and why you push yourself so hard with running. Well, I I did the gym thing for a while. And I swear one day I was in the gym and I was like, is this it? Like, I just keep picking these things up and putting them down. <laughs> and, I, and I was pretty big. I was like 212 pounds, 6'3", 212, 9% body fat. Like I, was, I, was, I was a big boy. And uh, you know what? I, I was like, I, I, need, I needed a goal. I needed something to accomplish. Like, you know, and, and um I was like, you know what, I'll go for a run. And I ended up running like five miles. And I ran well, even at, even at 212 pounds. And I was like, well, I'll push it a little bit further. And I went like seven miles. And then I hit eight miles, and I actually, <clears throat> actually got injured. And I remember thinking, okay, well, eight's my threshold. Eight miles is my threshold. Um, and I took a little bit of time off of running, and I came back, and I ended up running 10. And I remember thinking, well, I'm already at 10. Well, why don't I just run a half marathon? So then I went out and I ran around the back bay here in Newport Beach, and that was like 12.9 or something like that. And I was like, well, then I'll just run a little bit further and make it 13-point run, so 13.1. So I ran, a, I ran a half marathon on my own without signing up or paying for it or anything along those lines. And I remember thinking, I could do two of these. And so what I did was actually I signed up for the Catalina Marathon. And at this time, I lost a little bit of weight. I was down to like 204 pounds. Uh, I didn't know much about running. I didn't know much about the running scene. Uh, it's a very small scene. Uh, everybody knows everybody. And I went out there, uh, out to Catalina, I ran my first marathon, and absolutely got my ass kicked. Like, I mean, it was bad. It took me, like, I think it was five hours and change. Um, to put it into perspective, the, the, like, a year later, I, I finished it um, with sub four. It was, like, 358 or something like that. Once I had dialed a few things in. Uh, lost a few weight, you know, lost another, uh, what was that? Lost another, um, 
like 16 pounds or something like that. Uh, but I, I fell in love. I fell in love with the high. I, there's not just one reason. You know, running is a is an organic movement in general, and you know, there's it's similar with Herbalife as far as like like the big picture and, and understanding that you're not going to win the race in the first couple miles and. And I just fell in love with that. I, I fell in love with the, the bigger picture of life, the bigger picture of running, the being patient, the uh, hitting those walls at mile 13, 15, 20, whatever it may be for you, um, and, and, and persevering through that. And, and I think, you know, going back all the way to, uh, you know, the drug addiction and persevering and alcoholism and persevering through that, and then, and then coming into Herbalife and everybody telling me that it's not going to work and persevering through that, you know, this was kind of the next step. And so my first year, I, I finished the marathon, oh, and then I, did the Orange, then I did the Orange County Marathon. And um, um, right after that, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. Um, I had melanoma. Um, I had uh, what did I have? four surgeries, nine staples, 20 stitches, round of radiation. Um, it was... It was a tough year. That year, too, it was 2016. Um, I actually also dislocated my shoulder. Um, and then I actually got an infection from the ocean, which swelled up my, my throat. And uh, this is kind of funny. Uh, ended up getting a, uh, rushed to the emergency room. Uh, they put me on antibiotics and a steroid. And the steroid swelled up my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> So literally in one year, I had a dislocated shoulder, I dealt with cancer, I had staples, I had stitches, I had a swollen throat and swollen testicles. 2016 was rough, man. Like, it was a rough, rough year. It sounds yeah. like, what kind of cancer do you want me asking? Melanoma. Like, from, like, with skin cancer? Uh, Just you know, on your... I believe it was from going up in the sun. Yeah. Okay. Playing volleyball, being on the beach. I don't know if you remember, I mean, we used to pull our skin off our nose like it was funny. And yeah, now it, it caught up with me. So, and it was pretty big too. They had to take a few chunks out. Man, they had to remove a lymph node from my groin. And uh, it was uh, it was it was a tough year. But I remember thinking too, like if I can get through 2016, I can run these ultras. I can run these ultra marathons. And so when I came back um, in 2017, um, I uh, I ran a few marathons and then I ran my first 50 miles. And I was running really well. Uh, I actually, my first, uh, the 50 miler, remember I was, I was running in about third place through about mile 30 and absolutely just blew up my stomach. I had some severe digestive issues. I'm not going to get too into that. Um, but I ended up finishing. I ended up finishing 10th. So I ended up finishing a top 10, which was, uh, which was really cool. Uh, and that, that kind of created some momentum of, all right, you know, the 100 miler was on, on, uh, on my radar, and I reached out to uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Ben Atkins, uh, amazing runner. He's from the U.K., and he actually worked with Herbalife International, the cor- our corporate offices. Um, that, that 50-miler I got 10th in, he actually, that same year, he got third um, in the 100-miler of the same race. And uh, I remember reaching out to him and just asking, hey, do you mind coaching me? Do you mind mentoring me? on how to run and run well for a hundred miles. And he said, of course, man, no problem. And he kind of took me under his wing and he taught me how to, most people like they'll gauge their running on like how much they do in a day 
or how much they do in a month. And when he broke it down to how many miles are you logging per week? And, how, and that's how you get it up in over 400 miles a month, right? You do 100 miles a week. And that's really how you train for this huge, uh, you know, ultra, and the big boys are doing even more. They're doing 120, 130 a week, which is crazy. Um, and I love it. <laughs> but, uh, and that's really how you train for these things because you can't just go out and run 100 miles to train for 100 miles. Like that, you're going to get hurt. And, uh, and, and, and that's really what happened. So I came back in 2018, um, ran, um, I ran a 50-miler, sorry, a, um, uh, a marathon, a 50K, and a 100K, uh, which is 60. 50K is uh, 31 miles, and a um, 100K, I think, is 63 miles. And then, um, and then actually the last one, I culminated with a 102-mile ultramarathon uh, up in Big Bear, California. And, uh, uh, and it, was the, it was an experience of a lifetime, man. Like, I, I'm telling you... I went in with aspirations of getting on that podium and being top three. Um, that was my goal. And I'll tell you this, what God gave me was far beyond standing on any podium. Cause I didn't know, like, I didn't know, I didn't know I could have, I could endure that much pain and keep going. <laughs> Let's talk about that, dude. I mean, explain what it feels like to try to run a hundred miles and, and what kind of minute miles are you running? Well, my goal was to be running around 10.30 to 11, uh, 10.30 to 11 minute miles. That was my ultimate goal. And my goal was sub 24 hours. Uh, I ended up finishing 29.45. Okay. Get, I'll get into that too. So generally, when, I, when I'm running long distance like that, it, it takes me about, because I'm running slow and I'm, I'm controlling myself early, it takes me about seven, you know, maybe eight miles to get warmed up, five to eight miles to get warmed up. For some reason on this day, it took me like 11, 12 miles to get warmed up. I mean, almost a half marathon. Of, I mean, I felt like I was just clunking along, forcing it, excuse me, which... Um, Probably the altitude, dude. Yeah, I'll get into that too. Um, which, you know, isn't the best feeling when you know you're a, a good runner and it's just not coming together. It's, it's tough. And, uh, and then to top it off, uh, after about mile one, it started raining. And I mean, not just drizzling, like it was raining. And so my socks are soaked, my shoes are soaked, there's mud everywhere. Uh, I get to the, the first aid station, change shoes, change socks, coming back up this mountain, boom, get stung by a wasp right on my heel or my Achilles. And I, I have severe tendonitis in both my Achilles. Um, so I can't tell the difference. I'm like, is it, is it tendonitis? Am I tearing it? Is it from the wasp thing? Like, what is going on? And this is at like mile 10, mile 11. I'm going, okay, just 90 more miles to go. Uh, and Jesus. something happened. Like I hit, uh, I hit this aid station uh, called, it's called champion aid station. Um, before you go into Siberian Canyon. And I don't know if you, you remember when you go into big bear, there's that huge dam that you cross. Yeah. Over. I remember. Yeah. Okay. So that to the right is Siberian Canyon. So you run into that Canyon and then you run out of it. Um, and then you end up, um, you know, down a little ways. Well, all of a sudden it just started clicking, you know, and I ran really well. Um, I ran really well up until I started coming up to the top of that Canyon. And, uh, then my quads actually started, um, uh, cramping and which is really weird. Like I, that it was really, it was way too early for me to be cramping. I generally don't cramp. 
So I, I don't know what the situation was, but it, it happens. And um, so I'm tightening up, and I'm getting passed, and that's when you start getting in your head. You know, when you're getting passed by runners that you know you're better than, and it's, it's, it's a tough deal. But you also got to, you know, you got to know that it's a lot of race left. Man. Anything can happen. And uh, uh, so I end up making it to mile 31, get to the second aid station, and thank God for my crew. My coach was there my good friend Bill, and then uh, my friend Kiki, who was in charge of my nutrition, my hydration, my packs, all that stuff. They calmed me down. They basically, you know, they, they stripped me of everything. I, you know, I got a new buff for my head. Got the lamp going now because the sun's going down. Uh, put new, new socks, new shoes, new, new hydration pack. And from mile 31 to, um, to 60, uh, yeah, to about mile 68, probably the best running of my life. I mean, I just, all of a sudden it clicked. The sun was down. We were running under the stars via, via headlamp. I had a little mini mag light in my hand and I just couldn't miss a step. I was passing people left and right. I mean, just feeling absolutely amazing. And I get to about mile, about mile 50 and I'm, and I'm back from the lead group. And I asked them, I said, well, where's, where's the lead group? And uh, they kind of chuckled about two and a half hours ahead of you. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. You know what? I'm just going to run my race. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. And really after that, I mean, I think that was probably the best. That was the peak. Uh, I get to mile mile 68, and uh, I see my crew. And my crew looks at me and goes, well, the lead group made a wrong turn. And you, that person, that person, that person are now in the lead. And... <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding. This is why we line up for these things. Because I, you know, I got to, I was very fortunate. I got to run with the elites, but they made a wrong turn. And all of a sudden, and I was like, let's go for it. And so I pushed it from mile 68 to about mile 80. And uh, a little bit less than that, 78. And we started climbing up this altitude up to about, we've climbed up to about 10,000 feet. And when I got to about 9,000 feet, my depth perception went. I couldn't see. Uh, boulders were falling on my feet. Uh, I, I was, it was really tough to move, and, um, you know, I was probably top five, but then all of a sudden I started getting passed again. And this is where the mindset, you know, my, my mental part started failing me. No matter how hard I was trying to revert back to all the personal development and everything that I've done, uh, it, was, it was still failing me. Like, you know, are, are you going to – oh, by the way, there's a 30-hour cutoff. Uh, okay. Otherwise, you look at this buckle and – uh, which you're gonna spend that much time out there and not finish like that's that's brutal um that, that's harsh yeah but that's the reality and there's it's a hard finish like you know 29 yeah so it's they, they cut it right off and i get up to the top of this thing and i mean i'm at this point i'm hallucinating i was seeing bunnies all over my feet <laughs> so, yeah uh your, your brain actually releases dmt at that at that point Okay. And you can hallucinate. And um, I end up coming, I, I, I finish, I get to the top of this mountain, I make it back down, and I'm a complete disaster. Got about 17, 18 miles to go. And this is where I pick up my pacer and my coach. And he looks at me and he goes, why are you doing this? And I said, because I wanted to prove to my daughter that anything is possible. And... He looks at me and he goes, then stop being such a pussy 
put your shoes on, and let's dig in, and let's go get, get you a buckle. <laughs> and so, I, you know, we did. And he, as we're running, as we're moving, he goes, what do you think running 100 miles is going to be easy? Do you think you weren't going to be in pain? What does the pain matter? Keep pushing through it. Keep pushing through it. And we dug, and we dug, and we dug, and we dug. And uh, we get to the top of this. Uh, we get to the top of Big Bear, and we go down this back trail. It's called Seven Oaks. Yeah, seven and a half mile downhill, bone crunching, extremely painful. Um, I get to the bottom and I realize I'm almost out of water. Well, the seven and a half mile down turns into two and a half miles straight up. I mean, it's basically, it's unrunnable. You have to climb it. And some of the points you're actually on all fours. You're actually pulling yourself up with your hands. And he looks at me and he goes, you do this thing in under an hour, the buckle is yours. And there's other racers on from the, there's a 50 K race going on and a 50 mile race going on. And so I'm like, let's go, you know, on your left, on your left, other way, on your left, on your left. And we get to the top of the aid station and the people at the aid station knew where our times were. And as soon as we hit, we hit that aid station in 48 minutes and the place, just the aid station erupted. You can do this, go, go, go. And at this point we're at about mile 99. Um, I'm running back in towards, uh, towards Big Bear, cross over mile 100, and my coach looks at me and goes, congratulations, man. You're part of the 100-mile club. Dude, and so what was your time? 29 hours and how many minutes? Well, I'm still going. So technically it was, okay. it was 102 miles. Okay, okay, go on. So after mile uh, 100, he looks over me and he said, you know, congratulations, you're part of the 100-mile club. And he goes, you know, man, there's a lot more to this than buckles and finish lines. And you just proved it. And uh, mile 100, he said, but we still got to make up some time if you want that buckle. And I said, all right, let's go. So mile 100 to 101, I hit a 10-minute pace. And when I hit mile 101, he looked over me and said, you can smile, man. That buckle's yours. All you got to do is stay, in the, stay upright. And, uh, and so we come in. Um, we hit, about, hit mile 102. And it's actually 102 point whatever. And we hit this little, this little berm. We come around the corner, and everybody that I've trained with is at the top. And I got to run in with them. And at the very bottom, picked up my daughter and uh, um, finished with 100, 102.1, I believe, 102.4, something like that, miles. Um, I got to finish with my daughter in my hands. First person I hugged and kissed was my wife. My mentor, Dennis, was there. Um, everybody that I ran with is there. The cutoff time was 30 hours. We finished 29.45, and we actually ended up finishing. Out of 122 races, we finished 12. Uh, 57 finished, the rest DNF'd, did not finish. And, uh, again, like there was points where it was such a low and so much pain, I didn't know if I was going to finish, and yet we did. And all it did was remind me of how little I'm actually doing with the rest of my life how little I'm actually doing with my business, how little I'm actually doing with my marriage, how little I'm actually doing at the church, because I can do so much more, clearly. If I can do it physically, I can do it mentally, spiritually, socially. I can do more. And since then, that's been kind of my mantra, is you can do more than you think you can. And that's really what I've been focusing on for the past you know, few months now. You can do more than you think you can. And I constantly do more. When I don't want to do something, it's 11 o'clock at night and somebody wants to reach out to me, to, to, whether it's about business or spiritual life, whatever it is, take the call. Because you can do more. And we only live once, man. 
know, and it's not very long. So you may as well just keep doing more. <laughs> and what's coming from it is, is just exceptional. And I'm extremely grateful to be surrounded by such amazing people that showed me the way and taught me the way. Most of the stuff I'm telling you right now isn't original. You know, it's copied from other people that were very successful. Um, I just got to experience it myself. Wow, dude. I mean, what a profound way to close this uh, conversation, dude. You can do more because you push through and look at where you're at in life right now, man. I mean, with all the the addiction in your past and the injuries and the cancer bout, like you've pushed through and, and you're still doing more, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you and I appreciate you for having me on. You're welcome, brother. Thanks for chatting with us. Of well, thank you, Travis, for coming on and just being so transparent with your life, you know, the ups and downs that you had, where you're at right now. I mean, tremendously inspirational for me. Um, I love the ending. I love just that you can always do more. Don't give up. You can always push yourself a little bit further. When you want to give up, just remember you can do it. You can push through it, whether you're in pain, physical pain, you're trying to run an ultra marathon, emotional pain. You can do it. You can succeed. You can take yourself out of the life situation that you're unhappy in. You just have to keep pushing because you can always do more. Please remember to subscribe. Please remember to comment. If you like what you hear and you want to donate, Patreon at Misfits and Rejects. You can donate there. We appreciate it, but it's not expected. Please follow me on Instagram at Misfits and Rejects. You can really see what's going on in my life and all the ups and downs that I'm having and I'm pushing. I can always do more. I know this now. I'm having some great success right now in Thailand, which you can see on Instagram. But please just remember, I think you all are so very, very beautiful. And you can do more. And I believe in you. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.